0: Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is When People Walk Away from Jesus. When people walk away from Jesus. In John chapter 6, Jesus was teaching to over 5,000 people and they were hungry. They all wanted to eat, but the only food he had was the lunch from a little boy. Uh, and the boy had two fish and five loaves. Jesus took the two fish and five loaves, he prayed over it, and he started breaking it into pieces. As he was breaking it into pieces, the fish never ran out. As he was breaking the bread, the bread never ran out. There were baskets left over of fish and bread that fed over 5,000 people. After they enjoyed their lunch, Jesus started walking away. The disciples started following him. The 5,000 people all stood up and started following him. And Jesus looked back at the 5,000. And he said these words in John chapter 6, verse 26. He says, you are following me because I fed you, not because... You understood the sign of the miracle. That's why you're following me. In other words, you're following me because you got a free meal. You're following me because you think if you stay close to me, I'll just continue to bless you over and over again. It's not me you love, it's the blessings you're addicted to. And they all started saying, No, it's not true. It's not true. We would follow you even if times were hard. We would stay faithful to you even if we were in a rough patch. And so Jesus said back, okay, I'll tell you a little bit more about me. And, and let's see if you're still wanting to follow me. So in, in verse 51, Jesus said this. He goes, listen, careful. I am the bread of life. That has come down from heaven. Anyone who partakes of me will live forever. And I will make this bread available for the entire world so the whole world can live. Then he says, I am the bread, my flesh is the bread. As soon as he said that, people started arguing with one another. And they said, how can this man ask us to eat his flesh? Now you know there were some smart alecks out in the crowd. What do you want me to do? Come up and bite you on the shoulder? What's he talking about? And so Jesus looked back at them and the truth was so... Beyond their imagination. That the Bible says that many walked away. In the New Living Translation, it says that they left him and deserted him. That's a powerful word. To desert someone. I don't have the time to unpack that term. But I do know this, that it was hurtful to the Lord, to see them walk off just because there was something that they could not understand. There is a mass exodus of people every single day that walk away from the faith and get mad at God because they don't understand what he's doing. I, like you, get upset when he does not answer my prayer the way I want him to answer it. Clearly, he did not get the memo He didn't get the memo. And it is tempting to just throw your hands up in the air and just say, I'm sick of this. I'm out of here. So he turns over and looks at his disciples. In John chapter 6, verse 66, he says, are you guys going to leave too? The disciples said back to him, he said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? It's almost as if the disciples said, I spent the first 20 years of my life. I've gone to every single party. I've been to every single bar. I know everybody in Galilee. I know everyone in this city. I've partied with all of them. Where am I going to go? I've seen what the world has to offer me. And I, it doesn't fulfill me. It's caused me more problems than anything else. You're confusing me. But where are we going to go? You're the son of God. I want to spend the next few minutes talking about what it looks like to continue to follow him. And then I want to spend another few minutes talking about what it looks like when you decide, I'm done. I'm out. For the group of people that say, I want to continue to follow you, this is what it looks like. There's actually three particular characteristics. The first one is that there's this constant act Of pursuing. Now, this is a big uh, characteristic that, that I'm finding is not common amongst people who call themselves Christians. It's one thing to acknowledge Jesus, and it's another thing to pursue him. You can acknowledge him as your Savior, but never pursue him to experience his presence. There's a big difference, and I'll tell you this. So long as you don't pursue him, he will disappoint you. Because until you know his ways, you know his thoughts, and you know how much he loves you, which is something you can only discover while pursuing him, you will be disappointed in him. People who complain about God, complain about the church, complain about the faith, complain about Bible. These people are people who acknowledge but do not pursue. It's all head, no heart. The more you experience of him, the more in love you fall in love with him. The less you experience, the less enamored you are. I want to challenge you. If there's only one thing you say, you hear me say, if there's only one thing you hear me say, Jesus is a whisper away every day, every night. And the moment you whisper, you begin to feel his presence. The moment you whisper, the moment you whisper. Please hear me say that. In your head, it sounds like that is not true. And that's why you won't whisper. But just trust me. Whisper his name. And in an immediate, immediate response, you will sense in your heart that his presence is near. When you say, I'm going to pursue you, what you are saying is what Paul says. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Oh, that I may apprehend that which has apprehended me. Apprehend means to take hold of. He's saying, God, you have a hold of me. I want to have a hold of you. You have a hold of my heart. I want to have a hold of your heart. Let me say it another way. In Psalms 139, verses 1 through 3, it says this. "O oh Lord, you have searched my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts when I am afar off. You know when I travel. You know when I stay home. You know everything I do. You know every word I'm going to say even before I say it. Now let's go back to that other verse. You know everything about me. I want to know everything about you. If you know when I sit down, when I stand up, you know what I... I want to know what moves you. Let's have a relationship without a veil. Let's have a relationship without this wall of physical and supernatural. I want in. I want in. I want in. You're saying this is impossible. No, it's not. It's not. It's only impossible for those who do not ask, seek, or knock. Because the Bible says, I don't have time for this, I'm chasing rabbits like crazy. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, actually 7 verse 8, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, everyone who knocks, the door is open unto them. Everyone. So the first characteristic of people who follow him, they're in constant state of pursuing. The second thing is they are wanting to take the likeness of their king. I want to be like you. Make me like you. I love you so much, make me like you. I wanna think like you, talk like you, act like you. Raise your hand if you have a job or you've ever had a job. You've had a job, you've ever had a job. You know that when you get a job, there's an orientation. They tell you in a handbook. This is what we dress. I've worked at 21 jobs between the ages of 16 and 19. 21. 21. How can you go through so many jobs? Managers are real picky about showing up and. Every one of those jobs Chili's, red line hamburgers, Fud Ruckers, every one of them, it's not there anymore. But all these places, Domino's, I've worked at all of them. They all have an orientation. They all have an orientation, a training. This is what you wear. This is how we want you to dress. You show up and say, no, I want to wear tank tops. Fine, you can't work here. This is how I dress, and this is how we talk. I like to drop the F-bomb with people I don't like. Fine, you can do that at home, but not here. So this is how we dress. And this is how we talk. And this is how we behave. When people disappoint you, remember, we are working for them. So serve them. This is how we dress. This is how we talk. This is how we behave. This is how we dress. This is how we talk. This is how we behave. At any point, you can quit. But you're not getting the benefits anymore. We're not paying you on Friday anymore. Don't expect to get paid on Friday if you're not dressing like us, if you're not talking like us, and you're not serving people like us. doesn't matter if it's construction. doesn't matter if it's a snow cone stand. This is how you dress. This is how you talk. And this is how you serve. You can quit anytime you want. This is the culture. This is how we do business. This is how we live. This is our culture. Jesus just happens to be the same way nothing different. This is how we dress. This is how we talk. This is how we serve people. This is how we dress. This is how we talk. This is a bunch of rules. Go tell your boss that. See how that goes. Go walk into your boss and knock on the door and say, I've been thinking. I don't really like how you tell me how I got to dress because you know what? I like to wear stuff that when I back it up, you know it. See how that goes. Let me know. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> Better get in the next point before somebody throws something at me. There's a pursuing. There's, there's a likeness. Almost fell off the stage. There are miracles, there are healings, so I'll pray for myself. <laughs> Number three. There's a partnership. This is the most exciting thing in the world. For those of you that think that Christianity is all about behavior so that you can have a retirement plan in heaven. Be good, go to heaven. Don't be good, go to hell. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. It's about this partnership. And the partnership is beyond your imagination. It is, pheno- it is phenomenal. It's like trying to explain fireworks to someone who has never seen fire. Very hard to do. It's beyond your imagination. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says that God is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. Last Sunday on the way home, I was driving, I'm on my way home and I'm talking on the phone. I shouldn't be doing that. If there's any cops here, mind your own business. And I'm driving and, and as I'm driving, there's, there's a, a car going this way, I'm going this way. And there's a single mom pushing her car with her teenage son. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. It, the middle schooler was driving because someone had to be behind the wheel. So I could only see like the top of his head. It was so cute, but anyway, um, more uncute was happening than cute, and so I just felt like like lightning. Turn around. So I turn around. I back up my truck. I'm like, let's make this a lot easier. Strap it up. I'll take you guys to the gas station. They didn't seem overly joyed, to be honest with you. I thought they were gonna be like, oh, thank you so much. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I'm going to strap you guys up, take you to the gas station. I'm going home, going to bed, because that's what God wants me to do on Sunday afternoons. He wants me to lay in bed. I'm going to go answer the call. <laughs> strap up the truck, get it to the gas station, pull it right up next to the, to the gas thing. I get out, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to buy you all gas. So I reach in my pocket, to pull out the credit card to stick it in there, and they're like, it's not the gas. And all of a sudden I realized why they're not overly joyed. They knew the car blew up. Now, I don't know what your guys' background is, okay? My parents have owned many cars that have blown up. And when a car blows up, it feels like your world just blew up. So now I get it. How do you be happy about, oh, thank you so much for taking our car down the road. Our car just blew up. What do you want me to do? Hug you and kiss you? So I'm holding the baby, the two-year-old, There's a 17-year-old, a 14, a 13-year-old, and a two-year-old, and a single mom. And the 17-year-old says to the mom, "Hey, call this person, call that person." And in my head, I'm holding the baby because I'm like, "Come up with a plan." I mean, I did my part. Come up with a plan. I'll hold the baby while y'all come up with a plan. That's what I'm thinking. Right? That's what I'm doing. Her name was LaSylvia. I'm like, hey. The mother says to the son, you keep on saying people's names like they care. These people don't care about us. They're not going to drive up here and take care of us. We live in Katy. It's about a 40-minute drive. We're... These people don't care about us. I'm like, okay, okay, load up. <laughs> I start driving them back to their house. And I decide that I'm gonna do more than what I was planning on doing. I ended up blessing them more than what I was planning on blessing. You know what she says? She goes, because of the, the size of the blessing, she says this, I was in my kitchen last week on my knees with my head against the wall Crying out to God for help. And I felt in my heart. I felt in my heart. The Lord say. It's your turn now. Now watch this. The Lord told her. It's your turn. A week before the car blew up. A week before I ever came in the picture. He said it's your turn. Now he's got the whole world. Of people to choose from. To bless her. Anyone could have pulled a U-turn. Anyone would have helped them. You fall in love with that family that fast. But I got to partner with him. I got to. I heard the whisper. It, I got to. So when I get home that night, I lay down and I said, man, thank you for letting me partner with you. That's a partnership. You're just aware. So, number one, there's pursuing. Number two, there's a likeness. Number three, there's a partnership. But what about the people? Let's say I don't want to follow you. What about the, how's that? How does that unfold? Because from a distance, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good to have this uh, no standard lifestyle, forget holiness. Forget God, forget church, forget it all. From a distance, it looks looks like it's working out for them. Three things. Number one, an undisciplined life is not a life without accountability. You can live any way you want to. But you're going to have to answer for your decisions. You can party tonight, but when the sun comes up in the morning, you got to deal with what you decided to do the night before. An undisciplined life is not a life without consequences. Father, you have children, you have a wife. Wives, you have a husband. These fixed variables are not going away. There's consequences. Number two, there is an unsettling type of lifestyle that comes with an undisciplined lifestyle. Just always unsettled. If we were animals, then our whole life would either be good or bad depending on the weather. If a pig has food in its trough, the pig is happy. If a sheep is in a green grassy field, the sheep is content. If the sun is up in the morning, the birds will be chirping. But if there's a freeze, if there's snow on the ground, if the external circumstances have changed, the pig is no longer happy, the sheep is no longer content, and the birds are no longer sur- singing. It's all external. If we were animals, it would be that simple. But we all have met millionaires in the toilet of depression. And we have met poor people full of joy and peace. Contentment and joy comes from within. It's not around us. It's not around us. You know it and I know it. Yes, the job, the pay, this and that. Yes, those are stress factors for sure. But we all know that joy and sorrow comes from within. Have you ever visited someone in the hospital and they walk? you walk in and they seem to be full of joy and you're like, how are you full of joy? Things aren't going well. It's not external. It's right here. If you choose to not follow them, there will be consequences. Number two, your life is going to be unsettled. You can wear a Rolex and drive a Benzo if you want to. Drive a 5.0 with the rag top down so your hair can blow. All that kind of stuff. It's not as pretty as it looks. And number three, people are watching. When I was 17 years old, I was not living for God. I was not living for God. Someone handed me a book. Never read a book in my entire life. I was too busy quitting jobs. Actually it's not true. I read one book in the 7th grade about basketball. But someone handed me a book. I took the book, read it cover to cover. It was a Christian book, and the guy that wrote it, it, while I was reading it, he felt like he was about 10 years older than me. And I decided while reading the book, I'm going to be like this guy. And I started changing my life. The author has never met me. I've never met him. He could have walked right up to me and said, hi, Frankie. And I'd be like, who are you? He changed my life. He had no idea I was watching him. He had no idea I was following him. Ten years later, he comes out with some media blitz and says, I no longer believe anything I wrote. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. It's It's all foolishness. And I'm like, wait a minute. You changed my life. You changed my life. He has no idea how much that hurt me. See, when you choose to not follow the Lord, you have no idea of the people who is watching you and following you and drawing strength from you. And you may be saying to yourself, you can't draw strength from me. I'm going through hell sideways right now. Yes, that may be true, but they are in awe of the fact that you're still alive. They are in awe. They can see you going through hell and they're scratching their head and they're saying, how are you staying so strong? And if all of a sudden you decide to walk off, forget the faith and forget the Lord, you have no idea how many people are watching. Can I plead with you? Keep your eyes locked on the Lord. Keep your heart set on him, regardless of the external circumstances. Can you receive that this morning? Come on. I'm going to close with this uh, this last uh, story that I'm not really a storyteller, but this just stuck with me. Uh, a guy by the name of Ortberg, a, a preacher named Ortberg, he told a story about his friend named Danny who was splunking. Splunking is a sport, evidently. It's not basketball. It's not football. It's not soccer. It's not hockey. Hockey is not a sport anyway, but (laughs) it's not, it's, it's splunking. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of splunking before. Splunking is when you crawl through tight caves. Like you, 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 that's splunking. Now, who wants to go splunking this afternoon? <laughs> I saw hands go up, actually. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So this this man named Danny, he decided to go splunking for the first time. He was like a skydiver. He liked to do crazy things, and so he went with this guide to go splunking, and he went to this cave, and at first he could just walk. And then it started to close and so he had to hunch down. Eventually he had to get on his knees and then this is when it became interesting. He had to get on his back and move his, his way forward. And then it got so tight that he could only move forward when he took the air out of his lungs and exhaled. Because his lungs full of air was too tight for the crawl. And you have to exhale. And then he started to lose it. And he said to the guide, I'm about to lose it. I'm about to lose it. I can't, I'm, I'm about to lose it. I'm about to go crazy. I'm, I'm about to lose it. And the, and the guide said, just listen to my voice. Don't concentrate on anything else. Just listen to my voice. I'm gonna keep talking to you. And Danny died in that cave that day. No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He listened to the guide, the guide's voice and he got through the tough thing. He got to the end. It looks something like this. Show them, uh, show the picture of of what they find at the end of the, it looks something like that when you get there. It's pretty amazing. But that, that story could have went any, either way, right? Like when I said he died that day, everybody was like, oh shoot. Like, it could have went that way, right? But, but it didn't. I was like, it went this way. And it could have went either way. And the only thing that was different was that he chose to listen to the guy's voice. And he just concentrated on that voice. You guys are intelligent. You're ahead of me. You see the parallel. Just remember that that voice is a whisper. It's quick, it's so soft, you can almost miss it. It's quick, it's fast. It's so fast, you may think it's you talking to you. Usually for me, it's a little bit scary. Especially if it's like, go apologize 1st like, no, that's not you, God. <laughs> it's quick. It's fast. It's a little bit scary. But the more you follow that whisper, the more you'll hear, like Carmela heard when she was on her knees in the kitchen. It's your turn. I'm about to show you a a video of someone that was recently healed in our church. If you go to church here, you you know the pattern. I share a few thoughts about five minutes longer than what I should. And then I talk about a miracle that Jesus did And then we just see what the Holy Spirit does. This is the part of the service I can't prepare for. Hopefully while you were watching today and listening, you knew that I had prepared very hard this week. But at this point, there's no preparation. I have no idea what's gonna happen after we watch this video. All I know is I cannot... I can't come to church anymore and sing four songs, take up an offering, give an announcement, preach for 20 minutes and say be blessed, see you later. I just can't do it. I've done it for 20 years. I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, I have to see if the Holy Spirit will do something. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. I can't control him. He's like, he's, he's like the wind. You can't control it. Let's see what he's done recently. I think this was last week or the week before. Take a little watch at this. About, I would say
1: a over a year. I've been having um, issues with actually both my ears, um, to where the fluid. So we went to the service, and um, you know, Pastor Frank, he did his message, and at the end, Pastor Frankie came to the section that we were sitting in with this Word Knowledge, and um, when he was going, like, like, motioning between his ear and his jaw, uh, I was like, God, is this, is this it? I didn't, I didn't know if it was in his ear, I didn't know if it was in his jaw.
0: I should say this. You and I, when we pray for people, we're like the mailman. When you pray for people, you're like the mailman or the mailwoman. When I pray for people, I'm like the mailman or the mailwoman. See, when the mailman comes up to your house, they reach in the bag, they reach to their side, their bag or their truck, and they give you mail that they themselves did not send are you with me they did not send the mail they're only giving you what someone else sent okay now if they go up to the next house that person may not have mail go to the next one the post office the the guy, the girl they don't send the mail and they don't even pick who gets mail did you guys get that? so I've had I've heard people say in times man if there's a gift of healing on you why don't you go to the hospital and pray for every single sick person you see Well, if I were the healer, that's exactly what I would do. But I'm not. When I pray for a person, when you pray for a person, the presence of God is there. And he decides when, he decides how. But what I've learned is the higher the faith in the room, the more mail gets delivered on this day. What I've learned in the Bible is anytime Jesus showed up, there was a miracle. So when Jesus is present, we should expect miracles. Miracles. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. Uh, I'm sorry. Stay down. Sorry. This is what I believe the Lord wants to do. I was sitting on the front row and I was watching the, the video along with you. And I saw this happen in my mind. I believe that it was what the Lord wants to do right now. See, Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you talk about what he has done, you're really talking about what he's about to do. That's why we always play a testimony. So I believe there are people here that you need a healing. Some of you, it's an acute pain, but you feel it right now. Some of you, it's far more serious. This is what I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask that you think of Where you want to be healed. Not yet, but in a minute. I'm going to ask that when you're sitting here, if you are not sure where you would spend eternity, because your heart is not right with God, if your heart were to stop beating in five minutes, you're not sure where you'd spend eternity. I want you to get that in your head. So, if you need a healing in your body, I want you to get that in your head. If you need to give your life to the Lord, I want you to get that in your head. If you are a person you've got both in your head, think about them both. I need to give my life to you. I need a healing in my body. And maybe it's not a healing, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your children. But this is what I'm going to ask God to do. I'm gonna ask for the manifestation to happen this morning. In other words, if I say, I'm gonna pray for you, you could get healed tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. I don't know. I'm gonna ask that you get healed right now. And I'm gonna pray that your heart softens right now if it's your marriage or if it's your family or if you're in a dispute that your heart softens right now so what about their heart we'll, we'll let God worry about their heart you just, just worry about you right now obviously we can't have the manifestation of a raise or a job right now that will have to come later but this is how we know if it happened this is how we know this is how we know And this is very scary for me Because I can't control God, right? I'm just the mailman. But I believe that if you bow your head, you close your eyes, and your hands are open like this. And when I pray, and when I say amen, and everyone here stands to your feet, that in that moment, people will get healed. As you're standing to your feet, you will get healed. So if you have a pain in your body, I want you to think about it right now. Think about that pain in your body. Think about exactly where it's at. Is it your hip? Is it sciatic nerve? Is it your back? Is it your shoulder? Can you not hear? Do you have a ringing in your ear? Think about it. Because if you don't identify it, then you won't know. I don't know if I'm healed or not. Well, think about it. That way, if you're in pain right now and you're not anymore, you know you got healed. If you have vision problems look at something on the screen and say, I can't see that. If your ears are bothering you, if you have cancer inside of you, you can't feel that. But when you stand up, you know your body. You will know if you're healed. Now don't come down if you're believing by faith that you're going to be healed. No. You know test me if you want to, but I already know. I've seen it so many times. That's how it happens. If your heart all of a sudden warms and you start feeling a chill on your body or warmth on your body or goosebumps on your body or you start crying, that's these are manifestations. But what I see oftentimes is the Lord touches someone and they stay in their seat and I'm like, Oh, geez. I want you to come out of your seat and come stand down here. So what's the point? God's already touching me. I didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. An altar is something made of wood, steel, or stone that things die on. And for whatever reason, it's important to God so when you stand up, if you feel yourself get emotional, if you feel healing happen, if you feel the pain that you've already acknowledged, some of you, the pain is already gone. You acknowledged it like five minutes ago and now it's already gone. You're like, oh shoot, I think I got healed and we didn't even stand up yet. That's how it happens. But when I say stand up, if you feel yourself get emotional, If you feel yourself being touched, pretend like there's no one else in this room and come down here to the altar and just raise your hands up to the Lord and begin to have a moment with him. If you get healed here, the only thing I ask is that you tell us. You have no idea how much it builds my faith. Just shoot us an email. With your eyes closed, I want you to think of exactly what you want the Lord to do. And when I say stand up, stand up. If you feel the brush across your face, if you feel a chill bump while I'm praying across your face, the, ha- the hair on your arm, stand up on end. In Job chapter 14, verse 15, it says, I felt the spirit of the Lord grace past my face and the hair on my body stood up on end. If that happens to you, don't say god if that's you do it again. No. Move. So pay attention. Pay attention to your body, pay attention to the to the pain. Do not pray with me. And when I say stand up, stand up. Your hands are out. Spirit of the Lord. Move in this room right now. In Jesus name. Right now. Begin to graze past their face. Begin to touch their arm. Everybody stand to your feet right now. In Jesus name. If you feel the presence of the Lord touching you. Come down to the right. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of God. Move in this room. Touch us in Jesus name. Healings happen in Jesus name. And now I'm just going to wait. You know if you've been touched. You know if you're being touched. Pay attention to the pain. If the pain is still there, stay where you're at. If the pain is gone, come down. the Holy Spirit's like the wind it seems like he just moved on this side of the room because this whole altar space has people down here Holy Spirit if you feel him do please I'm begging you This has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with you. I don't. I care more about your relationship with him. Than I can. Than I can. I can't. I pray for you so much. If you feel his presence touch you. Heal you. Like the wind. Holy Spirit. Move in this room. Like the wind. like the wind I'm not trying to be hokey but I can feel like pins and needles all over my body right now if you feel that with me come out of your seat if you're new here and this seems weird just just hang tight In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The creator of the universe, I call on your name right now. Heal in Jesus' name. Cancer be gone. Anxiety be gone. Fear be gone. Bones move, tendons move. In the name of Jesus, sickness let go. In Jesus' name, hearts of stone be broken, replaced with a heart of flesh, a new spirit. In Jesus' name, every family, every marriage, every son, every daughter, every mother, every father, in Jesus' name right now, Holy Spirit, we call on you. We thank you. We know you're here. We can't see you, but we know you're here. Move. If you feel yourself getting emotional right down in here, please it's your relationship with God that's burning. Holy Spirit, ask it again again and 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 again. just raise your hands in this room if you would. everybody raise your hands. Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 6 how an angel took a pair of tongs and grabbed a hot coal off the altar of God and touched a man's lips with it. I'm going to ask that angels move right now that take a coal off the altar and come down and touch your lips that touches your body. If you feel him touching you, move. Don't stay in your seat. Please don't stay in your seat. There's something happens at the altar. In the name of Jesus, send your angels now. To touch your children, to touch your daughters, to touch your sons. In the name of Jesus. if there is one devil in this room, if there is one spirit in this room, if there is one evil sickness in this room, if there is one evil spirit, evil thought, evil grip, a grip of Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus to come off of them, to come out of them, in the name of Jesus, that this is the sanctuary of God and only angels and children of God can be here. Children in the nursery. Children in the children's church. Down syndrome. Come back. Come back. Come back. Down syndrome. Fits of rage. Fits of rage. Leave them. Holy Spirit, hands raised. See, if you're new here and you're like, what in the heck is going on? This is what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on. You're looking at a pastor and you're looking at people that refuse to let their relationship with God be cognitive. It can start there, but it can't end up there. It can start there, but it can't end up there. It's got to be personal. We've got to feel his presence. If we're not interacting with his presence, we're playing games. Yeah, write that down hands raised. Lord, we love you. going be no official dismissal. I don't want any song. I just want you. Okay. You can leave whenever you get ready, but just it, just stay at least, at least, at least 60 seconds longer. Just raise your hands right where you're at. You can stay as long as you want. The spirit of the Lord is doing something so personal.